Recent studies have tracked human happiness based on yearly income. They found that the happiest people and more psychologically balanced are a two-person household that makes around $95,000 per year in the U.S. adjusted for cost of living and a bare minimum of $60,000 for day-to-day -day mental well-being. This is because you're stable, you can relax about the future, you have some nice spending cash, and you can be very generous with other people. This is higher than in a recent study in Britain, but only because we have to pay for health insurance. Anything above or below this, stress builds up and happiness drops. We can understand why for people below, but why above? I personally believe that extreme wealth is just as mentally damaging as extreme poverty, except now they have the power to use their neuroses to ruin other people's lives. Here are the top 10 reasons why being super rich is a psychological disorder. Number 10, people are always wanting something from you, not you. A repeat pattern among people who win the lottery is that all of a sudden you stop looking like human beings to people around you and start looking like a human piggy bank. Everyone wants a piece of you and something from you. Many people who have won the lottery end up more miserable than ever before and very isolated from most people. The richer you get, the less friends you have to the point that you end up having the only people around you you can trust as your financial advisor, and you only trust them because you make them jump to your every whim without a question enough times that they have proven their loyalty. Not to you, of course, but to your money. Number nine, it's nearly impossible to have real friends. Even if no one wants stuff from you, the complete inverse happens. If you want to hang out with people poorer than you and get to know people struggling financially, there's always a cultural disconnect. Your entire lifestyles are completely different. If you want to do things with them, you have to massively lower your standards and genuinely enjoy doing that to fit in and not look like you're looking down on them or pitying them. Otherwise, you're asking them in a friendly way if they want to spend their yearly income on something you think of as just a nice evening or weekend. Offering to pay their way to do things you like can feel like condescending or like pity or refusal to come down to their level, and hurt feelings can happen on both sides. It creates a power imbalance in the relationship. It takes a lot of work as a rich person to have genuine poor friends. And for most wealthy people, that discomfort and sometimes guilt of seeing the privilege that their wealth gives them over good people, in their opinion, is just not worth the effort. So the paths of rich and poor cross less and less. Number eight, it disconnects you from the majority of the world. Now that you're isolated from the poor and middle class on a regular basis, you now only associate with fellow rich people like you. Even worse, your kids associate only with rich people like you, and if you started off in that class, your kids will be 100% oblivious to poverty and how it works at all. Unless you have a progressively integrated city, you will probably live in a large neighborhood or block or even county where everyone is rich too, and driving through a working middle class neighborhood is what you think of as ghetto. You have no idea and may never understand why the world is so screwed up and that you are directly helping to make it worse. Journalists who interview and spend time with the very wealthy see them do sad little middle class rituals like a family cookout done in a way more like as aliens mimicking one of us and not actually getting the point of why it's enjoyable to the average person. And the family issues wealth creates can be insane as everyone backstabs for better slices of inheritance and screwing each other over, and since none of them have been taught how consequences work, most are so spoiled, they all believe they fully deserve what they're screwing their own family members over for. Number seven, it disconnects you from consequences. 
Affluenza is not just a joke, it's a real thing, but shouldn't ever be used as a defense in court. When there are no consequences, or consequences have no tangible means such as a fine, like a speeding ticket that's pocket change to the super wealthy, rules don't really apply to you anymore. Add to that that if you get a super powerful lawyer, you can usually get out of anything because the average or poor person barely gets any legal representation so that the law has a lot of loopholes if your lawyer has enough time to find them. There's a reason why some places such as Denmark issue fines based on income as the repercussions actually sting a bit for wealthier people. Or if we just ensured every public defender gets the pay and money needed to ensure everyone gets the legal defense required by the Constitution so that no one gets special treatment in court, the law would probably adjust to actually make it easier to convict wealthier people. Because of this, rich people are way more likely to do drugs than poor people and get away with it as the arrest to conviction ratio looks good on cops' records and it's much easier to convict a poor person so people believe that they are all poor because they're junkies when comparatively very few have the money to do drugs. Number six, you never see how badly your actions affect those you screw over. Many rich people do not actively screw people over, but their money sure does on the stock market, and so long as your balance sheet comes out as positive, you're happy to spend the money. Because of this, the average person with a hedge fund retirement has their life savings invested, and still are supporting evil by it, but they don't have the luxury often to do anything else without ending up with no money in retirement. This makes you complicit in the crimes, but completely oblivious because you'll never ever interact with the people you screw over. People at the top of the CEO class make daily decisions to screw over their workers and people all over the world. It's a good business decision, but terribly unethical, and they'll never meet any of the people they hurt, but they're happy to spend the money. Lastly, if you have hurt someone, especially someone who's not wealthy, and get in trouble, you can easily just throw money at the problem and it will go away, either through PR, a good lawyer, or just threaten to sue or drag litigation out in court for decades, which the average person can't afford. You can force them to settle for way less than they deserve, and the problem goes away, and you never have to see that person who may end up ruined for your terrible action. Number five, it makes it very hard for people around you to correct you. We all receive some sort of continual feedback and social prodding to adjust our behaviors from those around us, most often to make us better people and stop us from drifting into extremely dangerous behaviors. Rich people don't have that especially famous ones. Rich people and rehab go together like peanut butter and jelly, and rarely work. Having someone there to say, hey Michael, maybe having sleepovers and cuddling with children may be a bad image problem if nothing else, even if you aren't doing anything wrong, didn't really happen. There's a reason why so many celebrity stars die at 27. They got rich, super fast, without coping mechanisms needed to deal with not having people around them to tell you no. The power imbalance is massive, creating monsters who otherwise might have been good people. Even worse, if you're someone like Harvey Weinstein, you can hire people to harass people you've abused and pay them for their silence. Number four, it allows you to mythologize your past. It's said that the age you get rich is also the age you stop maturing. For reasons stated earlier, without consequences, none of your actions have any real negative consequences to yourself, and you feel entitled to not changing to fix your natural flaws. Rich people often create narratives about their success based on survivor bias and often eliminate the people around them who also worked hard to make their lives a success and the people they screwed over and of course they ignore luck at all. 
And without people to correct them on this or call their bluff, they give themselves godlike status in their personal narratives and think they deserve their tons of wealth that they got from pure hard work. If you're born rich, you will be even more infantilized as you have absolutely no idea what it's like to suffer and struggle like the unwashed masses you often have been taught to look down on. And since the brain demands conflict, even when all your needs are met, the rich will create their own drama and weird rules to separate themselves further from us. Number three, appearance is most important. Without the poor middle class friends, now everyone you associate is rich. Some are generationally rich, some are old money rich, and some are business rich, and they all have their own weird cultures that naturally occur when isolated from the general population. Among old money, it's actually considered tacky to have a job or spend excessive amounts of money. The generationally rich have a stereotype of squandering their family money or getting into addictions and rehab. However, once scarcity becomes impossible, showing off your wealth becomes much more important in many circles. People treat you better the more flashy, wealthy, or exclusive you appear to be. An NPR journalist whose husband wasn't rich, but they were upper middle class, through some back channel strings ended up getting her an exclusive purse at a ridiculously discounted price that was so exclusive you had to be invited to have the option to purchase it. Let's just say the kowtowing and privilege she experienced around people who knew what the purse symbolized was staggering. It's just a purse. But in elite circles, your ability to spend that kind of money on rather trivial items is how you gain social credit, similar to how, say, in a poor community, helping out your neighbor builds social credit. The rules for social credit just get weird and more distorted the richer you get. Number two, hoarding becomes everything. Most often when you have money, you're never content. You'll always compare yourself with people who have more money. It's a never-ending cycle. The hedonic treadmill ensures that when there is nothing to fear or worry about, you will get bored and boredom is akin to disgust. So you will start comparing yourself to your peers and create a social hierarchy and want to keep getting more and more. You play the stock market or buy property, anything, to turn that money into more money. Some safer, some more risky, making the stock market more like a casino. He who dies with the most money wins. And the more you have, the more status you have with your peers. Number one, wealth is a cult. Wealth has a special language, codes, and tells about it. Wealth is idealized and worshipped, and people behave in weird ways. Many have such a religious devotion to wealth and thinking they're better than everyone else, like the Kochs and the Trumps, that they will, out of principle, screw over everyone to prevent the government from taxing them. Many use charity as a way to feel better about themselves when not actually fixing the systemic problem. The very rich have turned fine art into a tax dodge scheme, which the mob finds useful as a form of money laundering. Churches, like the prosperity gospel, tell the rich that they're rich because God thinks they're freaking awesome and poor people are not. People like Bill Gates and Warren Buffett are the rarity as poor people give about 6% of their income on average to charity, middle class people give 4%, and the top 1% give less than 1% of their wealth to charity. And the average person is part of this cult. Idealizing rich people are great leaders who should be venerated, feeding their egos and the myths of these god kings, thinking they too will someday be like them, even though the data shows that's impossible for almost everyone. Like poverty, extreme wealth is a mental illness, though one of addiction and not one of lack, and their neuroses is taken out on the rest of us to keep their habit and their fix. The only way to keep these junkies is to tax them more and pass laws and rules to help balance out the wealth among the poor and middle class, moving them closer to that happy $100,000 so they can get paid a decent amount and don't have to suffer 
while the rich get more and more disconnected from the reality in their grab for more cash. So thank you so much for joining me on my podcast. I'm sure there was nothing controversial about this and everyone will happily get along in the comments section, which you can do on the YouTube version of this video, link in the show notes. Just a reminder that I'm Anubis2814 on YouTube and I have over 500 videos on different topics that I've made over the past 10 years. Please subscribe and if your podcast site has the option, give me a like or review. If you think what I have to say informed you, consider supporting my Patreon. I'll be doing this podcast weekly and try to get it out on the same day, so I hope to see you here next week, ready to be filled with new ideas. Take care. A big thank you goes out to Elias Garcia Guevara and Joe Taylor, who sponsor the show at $10 a month at the Wapawet level on Patreon. Please consider donating as well if you can, and thank you all for listening.